Clockwise is brought to you by Hotspot Shield. Full privacy and security for your online life. Go to j.mp slash techhiveshield to learn more. And now it's time for episode 15 of the Clockwise podcast from the editors of Tech Hive, PC World, and Macworld, recorded October 29, 2013. Clockwise, four guests, four topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that clocks in at 30 minutes. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason Snell, who's Hi, sitting Dan. virtually across from me. Hi, Jason. Good to be here. You uh, you snuck a, you snuck an ad in there at the end. Of that. that was pretty clever. Well, we are sponsored th- this week. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. And uh, we're joined today with two guests, the first of which, sitting clockwise from me, is PC World and Tech Hive senior writer, Brad Charcos. Hi, Brad. How are you doing? Hello. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for Thanks for joining us once again. Welcome back, Brad. Anytime, anytime. Uh, we, we established recently that we welcome back everybody, even if they've never been even, here before. Even if they've never been on before. <laughs> they Welcome back to the, the medium of podcasting. Sitting across from me is John Phillips, the editor-in-chief of PC World and Tech Hive. Hi, John. Welcome back to you, too. Thank you very much. Hello, Jason, Dan, and Brad. All right. So here's the deal. Um, every one of us has brought a technology topic that's worth discussing today, right, Dan? That's correct. I hope. I hope everybody's prepared. Um, But don't worry if you're not too prepared because we don't want to waste anybody's time and we'll limit discussion of each topic to just five minutes. Who's going to go first? Uh, You, Dan? I'm I'm your benevolent overlord today. Okay. So I will go first. Um, I read this morning that uh, a report in the Wall Street Journal that says Google may be jumping into the whole wearable arena again with a smartwatch. Um, and But what makes this interesting to me, because we've obviously heard a lot about smartwatches and we've talked about smartwatches before, um, was that in this case, that seems the focus of it seems to be the Google Now feature, which if you've never used it, um, is available on Android devices and in the Google app on iOS. And it sort of works as like a concierge. Um, it, it looks at your email and other information that, you know, all the information Google has and tells you when, for example, things are relevant to you. So if you are leaving on a trip, for example, it'll automatically know that because it's seen the itinerary in your inbox and it'll let you know, um, hey, your, you know, flight is coming up now and, you know, here's the, how much, here's how long it will take you to drive to the airport or, uh, when I was uh, in Italy earlier this year, it automatically sort of pre-populated the Google app with a translate widget and a currency exchange widget. So it's like it tries to contextually figure out uh, what kind of information you need and then provide that information to you. And to me, this seems like a really clever idea for a smartwatch in terms of you don't want to necessarily duplicate all of the functionality of a smartphone and a watch. But this seems like something that that actually might be a good fit for the amount of information you can actually display on a wrist-mounted screen. So I was curious to know if this seemed like more of a compelling argument for you guys in terms of the smartwatch, or is the whole smartwatch thing still not quite doing it for you? Brad, what do you think? Um, well, I think Google Now is uh, by far a killer feature for smartwatches. The smartwatches I've seen thus far don't really do much for me. But uh, the idea of having these Google Now notifications pop up on my wrist where I can just look at them real quick and go, oh, yeah, I have to leave in 10 minutes. I have an appointment to get to and the traffic's bad. Thanks, Google Now. And then, you know, tap a button and go on about my merry way. That seems incredibly awesome. It seems much like it has much less friction as opposed to, you know, your phone ringing, you pull it out, you look at it. Oh, I have an appointment. Then you got to swipe it away to get back in your pocket. The wrist seems like a great place for Google Now notifications. Are you a um, Google Now user now? 
I, that I, sounded weird, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I am to some degree. I am. I use it on my tablet. My phone is not. Is still on ice cream sandwich, and I think that's a big problem with Google now. It's not available on a lot of older smartphones, so it's a barrier to entry there. But if uh, as time marches on, Google now is going to be on all these Android smartphones. If you can also have it on your watch, I think it's a great use of the technology. I'm still not convinced that it's enough to convince the masses to go buy a smartwatch, but I think it's much more uh, intriguing than anything we've seen thus far. I think the... Uh the the right way to do a smartwatch is has got to be distilling all of this information down into something incredibly small and and simple, right? So having that's what Google Now is about. You know, that's I, I think what Apple's trying to do with Siri, although I think less successfully than than Google Now. Um, they're giving it a shot, but but the, the whole goal here is to use these intelligent agents to process stuff, know about your life, do that on the back end, and then you you have. You have to do less to glance and see what's going on. It makes guesses. It learns about you. You tell it things. You ask it questions. I think that's that's a direction that the smartwatch probably needs to be in, and it's the direction that Google and Apple are both going in with Google Now and and with Siri. So um, it sort of makes it sort of makes sense to me that this would happen. I think I think it's a cool idea coming from Google. Um, I'm much more bullish on the idea that Google might make a usable smartwatch than, for example, Samsung, because Google has shown that they'll throw a lot of intelligence and time and money into projects like this, a lot of engineering work. Samsung is, you know, more famous for slapping a million different features into a product and throwing it out there and hoping people use it. And and for a product like the smartwatch, I feel like, you know, you need to take that first approach that Google is doing. So I'm I'm encouraged by it. If Google and Apple both have smartwatches coming based on their core technologies, I think that will be a really interesting compare and contrast. John, what do you think? Yeah, um I use Google Now all the time. It really is a pretty uh, amazing feature. I graduated, maybe graduated isn't quite a fair term, but I graduated from an iPhone to a, to a, the HTC One. And, you know, I didn't know much about Google Now until the card started showing up. And it is, you know, it's pretty spectacular how all of a sudden you get uh, an alert telling you this is how long it's going to take to get from here to here, or hey, you just passed by. Uh, what, what is the name of the service that tells that tells you what's going on in your neighborhood? Foursquare. No, <laughs> <laughs> I have Front no door? idea. Front no, door. I can't remember. Next door. Is it standing out on your stoop and yelling at your neighbors? Is that a service? <laughs> Google neighborhood. It's uh, in your neighborhood. I'm not, not going to take now. the time. But yeah, Google Now is is actually a great intelligent agent. And I think putting it on the wrist is, is a is a great step in the right direction. And I think Google can learn so much from what went wrong in the Galaxy Gear, which I used for about a week for testing and then stopped using because I don't I don't like it as a smartwatch. But the lessons there are don't try to include a bunch of apps that that are impossible to see and 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 use on such a small screen. Keep it simple, which Google Now would do. Um, battery life is going to be super important for for this watch if it comes out. And make sure you cr- Google needs to make sure they have a create a watch that is for everyone, which means the styling has to be right. You know, people are wearing fewer and fewer regular wristwatches, let alone smartwatches. So they, uh, Google is going to have to come up with an industrial design that that's going to work for men and women. It's going to have to not be polarizing. It's going to have to be accessible. Um, and it's going to have to work on every single with every single uh, Android phone out there, at least 4.3 and up, which is a big problem with the gear. It only works with the Samsung phones. 
Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a lot of food for thought, but I think the one thing that we can all agree on is it would look less nerdy than Google Glass. Yes. <laughs> yes. Maybe? <laughs> it's she, it needs to. All right. Well, okay. I'll keep my eyes peeled. Uh, we're not sold yet, but uh, I think we're all interested to see what they might come up with. Brad, you got a topic for us? Sure. This morning, uh, Motorola announced a kind of nifty new project called Project Aura. Um, this idea floated around the internet a while back in the form of phone blocks. Basically, it's build your own smartphone. It's a bunch of little blocks that you put together in different ways to build your own smartphone. Um, if you don't want a camera, take out the camera module, put in some extra storage. You know, you can swap in a beefier processor for a littler one, whatever you want to do. That's the idea, at least. They just announced it today. There's nothing physical out there yet. Um, basically... It looks to be like how uh, they're looking to open source uh, hardware design by letting people do whatever they want with their phone. And uh, it seems a bit ridiculous to me. And I'm wondering <laughs> if anybody really wants this because I have no interest in building my own smartphone whatsoever. I'd rather have a uh, smaller, cohesive, de- cohesively designed phone. And this is coming from a guy who's built multiple PCs. I don't know. A Lego phone sounds like a great idea. <laughs> That's how you took the words out of my mouth. I, I, don't, it's, I think it's an interesting concept. One of the things that you always see when iFixit takes something apart is that in order to get these tiny, light, uh, long battery life devices that we have now, they can't be open boxable and you know you can't tinker with them they're all kind of mushed together so i kind of like the idea of an erector set for phones or a you know a hobbyist kind of thing but is that ever going to be something that regular people want regular people are never going to want to prioritize that this is goes back to computer upgrades and things remember people would always talk about oh well i don't know if i want that computer because it's not really upgradable and then it turns out nobody upgrades their computer they like the idea of doing it but very few people are in that set that cares about that and and i think that's why we have the phones we've got now is that people, you know, the market has spoken. People don't want that. People would rather just get a new phone every couple of years. And until these little blocks can provide the same kind of experience as that, I think it's, you know, I think it's an interesting engineering path, but it's not realistic for uh, regular human beings. Yeah, it seems it seems completely ludicrous. I don't understand <laughs> where they're going with this. And I have to admit, I did not read the the blog post, but from what I've gleaned, you know, from this conversation and and the stories I've read on it, there's no real path to to actual utility here. Uh, I mean, my first thought is this for people to take this this platform and and build their own phones and then sell on Kickstarter, or is this really for enthusiast level? phone production and when you when you look at how hard it is to make any kind of mobile device when you're dealing with thermals uh the the power requirements just everything that goes into the miracle of of a smartphone it's just it's insane to think that a a, a hobbyist in his base room or his basement or bedroom can come up with a better phone than Motorola's engineers or Samsung's engineers so i mean Brad as you've been following the story is there any inkling of what uh, of what Motorola thinks the the actual um, opportunity is here? Um, well, they're launching it as open source. They're uh, kind of hoping to get a bunch of developers on the bandwagon, a bunch of other companies as well. But uh, I saw GigaOM reach out to a bunch of uh, developers today, uh, other companies like Samsung and whatnot, and none of them wanted to comment on it whatsoever. 
Wow, you know, when when you usually when you announce a project and say that it's going to be open source, that's sort of like I don't actually want to do it. But if you guys want to do it, go ahead. God, it's like the guy who comes to you at the uh, dinner, like I got a great idea for a screenplay. You, you should write, write it, it I, and then we'll split yeah. it. <laughs> it's almost. Um, it, for me, it sort of follows it down Google's path of, hey, we'll try anything. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. sell you a $1,500 pair of spectacles that's not really that usable. <laughs> but 20 years from now, when someone figures out what the use for it might be, hey, it's going to be ready and then you could do it. Or let's make an orb that streams music when no one really wants to buy that either. <laughs> I, well, you know, I, everything's I a hobby at Google. Let's give you a car that drives itself. They're, they're missing out on a lot of opportunities with this whole module thing, if you ask me. I mean, a module that you could plug in and it's like an electric razor, um, that's handy. I don't want to have to carry like, a, like an electric <laughs> razor and my phone around. Or uh, a module that you can plug in and it's got like a, one of the extendable leashes for your dog. I mean, there's just all sorts of interesting modules I think you could attach to a phone. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out and say what I think you guys are too afraid to say. Brilliant idea. Ooh. Great idea. Okay. Terrible idea. all right before we go on to our next two topics i'm going to read an ad that's right let's face it whether you pay online bills or post pictures on facebook and google plus all your online activity is being tracked by some entity perhaps an alien entity from beyond who knows uh perhaps the nsa who knows but the point is surf the web and do everything with full privacy and security by using Hotspot Shield. It secures your online browsing and also gives you full privacy. If you want to learn more, here's where you go. Put this into your web browser, j.mp, j.mp, slash techhiveshield, all one word, techhiveshield. And thanks to Hotspot Shield for sponsoring Clockwise. All right, add over, topic to begin, photos. Today, as we record this, Google announced a whole bunch of new Google Plus features, including even more crazy photo and video features than they announced a little while ago. They are really pouring the engineering into photo sharing on Google Plus. And, you know, I'm curious what you guys think about photo sharing on the internet. Um, I've decided personally <laughs> that um, this is the new. This is like the nuclear bomb of the internet. This is everybody is racing. People's personal photos are the thing that people use the internet for. Why does Facebook buy Instagram for a billion dollars? It's because photo sharing is Im- important. What, you know why? Why are Facebook and Google in this whole thing uh, arms race over photo sharing? Why is Yahoo trying to revive Flickr now? It's that that you know photos is something. Sharing photos is like maybe the most natural thing somebody. Can do using the internet as an extension of their lives in the real world. So I'm fascinated by how uh, much effort Google is putting into photo sharing. Clearly, it's important, but I think we all in the tech world get focused on all these sort of other areas of weird apps and strange web services when, in fact, I think the, the, the most important thing it seems boring, and yet it is probably the most important thing to any service getting a lot of adopters is um, will I use it to share my pictures when I, my kid has a birthday party? What service is that going to be? And if you can win that one, I think maybe you win the internet. John, what do you think? No, I, th- I think that that's a completely defensible thesis. I understand why Google's doing it. <laughs> uh, I mean, all, all I could do is is look at you know this th- this effort and think about how it impacts me personally. Um, and I, you know, I, sh- I have a public Instagram account. You could follow me anytime, John Phillips SF. And that my approach to photo sharing is uh, don't put anything on the internet that I don't want the entire world to see. 
And so, um, you know, I don't really share images on Facebook or I don't have a Flickr account. Um, so I think I'm an anomaly in, in, in this whole scene <laughs> of photo sharing. I do know that a lot of people have tons of photos and albums of kids' birthday parties and events, or maybe they're just a hobbyist photographer they want to share with others. But, you know, Flickr's a big deal. The, the whole problems with Flickr and, and Yahoo's re, um, reinvention of Flickr it was a big deal to a lot of people. So Flickr's big. Google Plus has, has already has great photo sharing capabilities. Looks like they're getting better. Uh, Facebook is, you know, photos drive Facebook too. So I get it. And I think you're right. Personally, for me, it doesn't, doesn't move me. Hmm. I'm really interested in all these automatic features that Google keeps uh, adding to its, uh, you know, Google plus online service with like auto editing. And they've got, what is this auto awesome, this new feature? I think sooner or later, it's going to get to the point where you're going to like go on your profile and you're, there's like videos on there you don't even remember taking because your phone was just like, meh, let's just simplify this process. I'll take all the videos. Don't worry about it. I'll upload them to the internet. Um, I, I mean, I agree that the uh, the photos is a, is a big deal. It's kind of, I mean, that's a re- overused phrase, but the killer app. Um, and as much as I, you know, have sort of stuck all my photos in, you know, iPhoto over the years, um, I kind of kind of gone back and forth in terms of what to do with them online. I have a bunch on Flickr, but I really don't add them there that much. And I think it's still one of those workflows that there are a hundred thousand, uh, you know, services that, that want to, as Jason was saying, that want to own your photos, but, uh, none of them are really that painless. Like there's still too much friction in that process. Uh, I haven't, I don't think anybody's quite figured it out yet. I mean, I like the idea of photo stream on the iOS and OS 10 side, um, but it's just like a, it's so dumb, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't filter for anything. Like if I take for my job, I take a million screenshots. And so now all my screenshots are in photo stream. And it's like, I don't need, you know, one copy of those, much less four on every different device I have. So yeah, I think, uh, photos are a big deal in the, the company that does figure out how to control that will, uh, obviously control our minds and memories. <laughs> Brad? That's, uh, I think, one of the areas where Google's actually standing out with this. Um, like, it's auto awesome feature that you were talking about. When it first came out, what it would do is it would take a bunch of uh, photos that you have, even if they're separate photos from the same place, and they'd link them together and make an, a GIF out of them. So it just does it seamlessly. It does it automatically. It doesn't replace anything you had. It just made uh, a little GIF out of your photos that you had, which I think is really cool. Um, I'm like John in that I don't really uh, share many photos on the internet. Possibly because I'm always banging to my kid's head, don't put anything up there you don't want your parents to see. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) And so I just don't share anything anymore as far as pictures are concerned. Um, And I think Google is really smart to go after this because, again, like John, I think I'm an anomaly. Most of my friends and family in my life primarily use Facebook and Twitter (laughs) for sharing photos. However, uh, I think uh, Google Plus is doing a great job in adding some new functionality that uh, you can't find anywhere else, but... I'm not sure that's going to be enough to draw the average person to their platform, but I appreciate what they're doing. And I'm already seeing some people putting auto awesome GIFs and linking to those from Facebook. So maybe it's like a backdoor way into their project. I would just add, you know, as an Android phone user, recent convert, uh, it makes if you own an Android phone, and they make it very easy for you to drop all your photos directly into Google+. So I, I understand Google's overarching sort of plan here. And I, I think they're well positioned to get more and more people using their photo services just because they just, they just drop in seamlessly all of a sudden. Even if you don't use Google+, 
they can appear there publicly if you like. All right, it's time to move on to our last topic, which is not our least topic at all. In fact, this is the one, I'm sorry, Brad and Dan, this is the one that I was most excited about coming in here. John just reviewed the Surface 2 That's from right. Microsoft, and I assume that your topic is something about Surface 2. Please, please. It is it is Surface 2, and it, it's really about Microsoft's sort of stunning missed opportunity to resuscitate its Surface RT platform. So if everyone's been following the news for the past year, since October 26, 2012, uh, Surface RT came out. It has not been selling well. I believe millions are probably sitting, gathering dust in warehouses still. Uh, So Microsoft had an opportunity in Surface 2, the update to Surface RT, to really show the world some new features uh, and to sort of make good on the broken promise of Surface RT. But when, but you know, the the tablet arrived recently. Uh, I've been using it for about a week. The hardware is not a significant update. And the software is pretty much, it is exactly the same as before, uh, except now Windows 8 has been updated to Windows 8.1. Uh, and that's not enough. I think Microsoft needed to come out big with a with a statement that could have included getting rid of the desktop, which is really only in the in the system at all to run Microsoft Office. Uh, they could have come out with some kind of personal digital assistant like Siri or Google Now. They could have even launched with a bunch of great gaming titles that showed, hey, this is the power of Microsoft. We're, we're a hardware company. We're a services company. We're a software company. We're going to combine everything together. Instead, in Surface 2, you really have not much more than a 40-degree Angle on the kickstand as a new <laughs> as right. a new feature. That's not a big cameras deal. are nicer. I guess cameras are nicer. But well, who- you, you said something great in your review. You said sort of like silicon marches on, right. and you you can't give any phone or tablet maker credit for it's a better camera. It's a faster processor. That just happens. You can just sit there and wait, and it'll happen. It's not good enough. Exactly. So Microsoft is is trumpeting uh, both the the cameras and the processor as a big marquee feature. I expect that of any update. Doesn't matter yeah. if you're if you're working with a Google um, with an Android device, or if you're Apple with iOS, or with um, or your or your Microsoft with a with a Surface computer, you're going to have to update the CPU. So you can't make a big deal about that. I write that off the table <laughs> right away. Um, so they give you, they now you have two positions on the kickstand. Okay, that's great, big deal. The display is nicer. The battery life is longer. Those are both great. But really, there's no compelling reason to buy a Surface 2 when Surface RT, if their whole vision floats your boat, great, go with it. But buy a Surface RT, it's, it's much less expensive than, than Surface 2 at this point. And I'm just sort of – I'm actually disappointed in Microsoft for not coming out stronger and looking at the, the, the bad reaction, the poor re- reception of Surface RT and deciding, you know what, we have a year to fix this. We're going to work on it. Boom, here's what we got. They, they don't seem to have done much of anything. Dan, do you have any thoughts about Surface? Well, yeah, I mean, I think John's kind of summing it up here. But, you know, a lot of people accuse tech companies a lot of times of sort of resting on their laurels when it comes to, oh, that's that update was boring. It was more evolutionary than revolutionary. But the thing is, if you're, you know, someone like Samsung or Apple, to a certain extent, you can get away with resting on your laurels because, you know, you have laurels. Uh, when you're Microsoft and your first product didn't do very well and you took a giant write down on it because you couldn't really sell units very fast, 
it's an indication that something's wrong with the product, right? And and like John's saying, you know, they could have taken some time to really investigate why it wasn't doing so well and what changes they could make so that it would appeal to people more. But I feel like they kind of felt like, eh, we sunk all this money into it. We might as well keep going with it. And like, you know, there's there's kind of almost an, an attitude that there must be something wrong with people in the market, <laughs> you know, if they're not buying it rather than something wrong with the product. And I don't know, it's... Microsoft, I feel like, has they're such an interesting company because they have all these different divisions uh, working on different things, and they they often seem very divorced because you know they've done some great work in like the Xbox division, for example, but none of that seems to translate over to this division. Like it just doesn't seem like they're. It seems like they're on two completely different planets. Um, and yeah, when it comes to the Surface Two, I think if they're expecting this to turn it around and really in, improve the Surface's fortunes. I think they're going to be sadly mistaken. <laughs> Brad, what do you think? Um, well, I honestly thought the first Surface was a beautiful piece of hardware. And I think I haven't touched the Surface 2, but it looks like this one is better in as far as hardware goes in all respects. But the problem with the Surface isn't the hardware, it's the software. Yeah. It's Windows RT. And Windows RT, it... Microsoft hasn't done a good job of explaining to people that this is not the full-fledged version of Windows 1. So a lot of people are confused when they go and buy this, and then it doesn't run their Windows applications. It just runs these modern apps. Um, two, <clears throat> they're just – I mean they've made, they've made big strides in the past year, but the Windows Store is still pretty barren. I mean a Facebook uh, app just came out with Windows 8.1, but there are still a lot of missing features in there. A lot of missing apps. And I've tested a ton, a ton of Windows Store software. And sure, you can get through your day pretty well using a mixture of what apps are available, Office, and Internet Explorer 11, the web browser, which is actually pretty awesome as far as touch web browsers go, in my opinion. But you don't want to buy a tablet to spend all day in the browser. I mean, it's it's $450. That's right up there in iPad territory. That's more expensive than the majority of Android tablets. Unless you really want uh, Office in long-lasting form, I I mean, there's no reason to spend $450 on a Surface 2 over a cheaper uh, Android tablet or a similarly priced iPad, in my opinion. Right. And I, I just want to jump in. Or you could graduate to Surface Pro or Surface Pro 2. You know, it, I, I would rather spend the extra money and get the full experience than save whatever the the price differential is to to cope with the windows store apps and to just live in uh the desktop just for office i don't think that a surface pro 2 is a natural jump for someone looking for a tablet i really wish they just use a lower lower power uh bay trail intel processor in the surface 2 rather than an arm chip so then it would have the full desktop legacy this all comes back to Microsoft's insistence on having this weird hybrid experience where you've got yeah. a low a low cost, a low power processor running an OS that's sort of what we used to call Metro, but it's got that weird explorer underneath with old Windows, but just for Office because Microsoft has also not done a really proper touch version of Office. And it's just – it's not – you know, they should have committed to one or the other, and they didn't. And eventually they'll work it out, but it's, it's, I'm surprised it's still not worked out until there's like a true touch version of Office uh, running in that interface. It's sort of, yeah. It, anyway, that was, it's a good report. I, I, people should read the review on PC World that John wrote about the Surface 2. And of course, Su- Surface Pro? Surface Pro 2 is also forthcoming. Right. 
and we've got to review that coming. So uh, before we go, we'd like to do a bonus question that's totally off topic, and this is my totally off topic for you. Question for you guys. Uh, lots of ads and lots of trailers coming out. There's a new Thor movie. There's a new Captain America movie. So I wanted to ask all of you, are you tired of comic book movies now, or are you? St- is there still some amount of enthusiasm that you've got for it? And let's uh, start with John. I am tired of them. I'm not a comic book guy. I like some graphic novels, but the old school Marvel. Worst genre ever. <laughs> yeah, just not into it. Although, I got to say, the commercials do look somewhat compelling. I, I don't know who the actor's name is, but he was in Snow White and the Huntsman, maybe? Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> is that the same oh, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Hemsworth. I like that yeah, movie. I like the fantasy genre. So, I, and I, you know what? I love mythology. So, maybe I do want to see this movie. <laughs> right. He hates superheroes, but he likes <laughs> yeah. Thor. Okay. Dan, yeah. what about you? Um, well, I came from the, you know, growing up in the age where there were no comic book movies, really, or they were kind of few and far between. And I feel like, as a fan of that, I'm getting my due now. So keep them coming keep until they coming. start sucking a lot more. All right. Brad? <laughs> I'm going to sound like a total square, but I don't really watch movies or TV, so I'm utterly ah. indifferent. Thumbs, thumbs down to comic book movies and movies in general. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I'll say I'm I'm not tired of them yet. I think that they're they're actually making good comic book movies. Of course, they're also making bad ones, but they're making good ones. And and I'm looking forward to the uh, the Captain America Winter Soldier trailer is actually yeah, really great. Awesome. And, and Robert Redford is in it doing a very, very Robert sort of Redford. 70s, uh, you know, he's the head of a spy agency kind of Robert Redford. It's awesome. So it I'm looking forward to that. And that, I believe, Dan, wraps up this edition of Clockwise. John Phillips, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. And Brad Turcos, thanks for being here. Happy to be here. I enjoyed it. So uh, that wraps it up. Uh, Until next time, I would like to thank everybody out there for listening. And from all of us here at Clockwise, remember to watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Tick tock, tick tock. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.